Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we talk about pop culture through the lens of race or gender and sometimes both. Tracy Stinger is back, and today we're going to be talking about Mackenzie Scott. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. Mackenzie Scott is famously the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, and their divorce made headlines when we all learned that she would be awarded half Bezos' worth, but before we dive in, let me reintroduce you to my guest. Tracy Stinger was here in season one, episode 21, Death to the Mom Hustle, and season two for I Don't Know How She Does It. She is the anti-hustle to-do list trimmer who helps you do less but better and the host of Coffee Table Talk, or not Coffee Table Talk, <laughs> Coffee Table. Coffee House Table. Coffee House Table. You are not the only one that walks over it. I don't know. I I didn't think it through with the name, but you know, we sit, there's a table, you're at your table, I'm at my yeah, table, there's yeah. We have coffee. Yeah, it's like the coffee house. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I love it. I just can never get it right. So uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. I'm glad you're here. I know it's like sometimes it's hard to coordinate with people's schedules and whatever, but like we see each other because of coffee table and because of, you know, um, Tracy's a member of the Patreon fam and so I get to see her during that stuff too so it's nice to like actually have people back on the show on the show like rather than just being like hey let's hang out you know because <laughs> there's other people involved in those conversations this is like our conversation that sounds selfish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted just some one-on-one time yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really why I started this show as an excuse to hang out with my friends. <laughs> Just kidding. Whatever works. So I've been asking this question of everybody before we get into our topic of conversation. Do you remember what you thought of rich or wealthy women on TV or in media when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, and I thought, so it's weird. Like, so I grew up in the eighties, nineties, um, early 2000s yeah. and I feel like what I was watching like when I think back about that like what did rich people look like in the shows and the movies I was watching I don't feel like there were a lot like when mm. I think about what I watched on the regular it was stuff of more like regular folks like um, Roseanne mm. and Home Improvement and Family Matters like where they they were just like working and they mm. might have talked about money issues and stuff even. Um, so like, that's what I was watching. I feel like there's definitely been a shift since then where a lot more media now is just 
of rich people mm -hmm. either like subliminally like of course they're rich of course like everything is fine and easy for them that's just how things are which is not true um or they're literally famous for being rich and like we're just supposed like we're watching because we're supposed to want their richness or whatever mm -hmm. so for the most part I feel like what I watched wasn't like that then I feel like there was another level where I did sort of notice they were richer than us mm. and it was always like you and I have talked about this before like I'm really study the sets of things that I watch and so when I see that it's like designer or trendy furniture or like it's always clean but you don't see the person cleaning like that to me triggers like a doop they're they got more than I do mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but those ones for me were very like aspirational mm. and I felt like that's what I wanted that's how I want to be like just because we don't have that like I feel like I'm gonna which also I feel is very like privileging because I'm like I can do that I'm yeah. gonna do that yeah um and then like the rich rich that I can remember of what I watched then I'm thinking of like the lady in the fur like mm. um Mrs. Thurston Howell the third from yes. Gilligan's Island. Yes. <laughs> like um, I was just watching Overboard the other day, like Goldie Hawn and her mom, who like yeah. their whole life is just pampering and they're more of like so if if that's my thought of like what did rich people in the media look like, then I'm like they have too much money, more money than they know what to do with, mm -hmm. like kind of like an unfair, they don't deserve it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up the fur coat because symbols of wealth have come up a couple of times too. Like, you know, this person's wealthy because they're wearing a fur coat. They have mm -hmm. lots of jewelry on, you know, things like that. And it's just so interesting how the symbols of wealth have shifted over generations because when you think about like, I love Lucy and how she was just obsessed with like, Ricky, please buy me a mink, you know, like that was the mm -hmm. thing. And then when he finally did, um, it was, you know, one of those moments where she's so happy and she's so thrilled and that's like a status symbol. But now it's like, people don't buy fur. That is not a thing no, our culture fair. does, or at least yeah. on the mainstream. And, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, if you buy a fur, it needs to be vintage because if you do it now, it's not <laughs> kind of thing. So, <laughs> but like now it's just, um, an eccentricity kind of thing like mm -hmm. to buy a fur and it's not the here's how you show that you're wealthy it's yeah like, you can you can do it if you're wealthy but it's not what we're going for yeah a hundred percent it's so interesting okay so let's do a quick refresh for everyone on who Mackenzie Scott is. Mackenzie Scott was born in 1970, and as we mentioned, she was married to Amazon founder Jeff Bezos from 1993 to 2019, and it was the divorce heard around the world. She received $35 billion in the divorce settlement and has done some major philanthropic activity since then. Her donations tend to lean towards historically underserved communities as well. In a profile by the New York Times, it was reported she was a privileged child from Connecticut whose family eventually filed for bankruptcy, which led her to receiving a loan from a friend so she could stay in school and continue studying creative writing under Toni Morrison, which I mean, like, holy shit, that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's where that privilege came from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I know that you recently read her book, The Testing of Luther Albright. So I'm just curious, like, what does that, because I didn't realize before research researching for this that she, like, 
was actively pursuing creative writing as a career. So what can you tell us a little bit about the book she wrote and then like what maybe kind of insights that gave about who she is as a person? Yeah, like that's why I wanted to read it. I wanted to see like, who is this lady? Is she just, you know, trophy wife or is she actually smart? Like writing because she owns Amazon or writing because she's a writer. Um, I really liked it. This was her first book and it got all kinds of accolades. Tony Morrison did the blurb, like it was amazing. But then if you, when you look her up, like all the rest of the stuff is like, she wrote her first book it was amazing da, 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 da. and then it's like and her second book came out in 2013 oh my so god I don't know <laughs> how that went <laughs> like if I need to read that also but I really liked this first book um especially I think because it was actually based in Sacramento where I oh. live and I'm from and that was part of what started showing me like oh this bitch knows what she's doing because the research was amazing um it was very it was just very real. It was like, and I enjoyed the writing in the sense that like, she really, she is a writer. She paints a picture. Um, and, and her writing is not like some of those writers are like, look how writerly I am. Right. So wonderful. No, she's just like, she's giving us a gift of this story. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, at first I was like, wait, I don't know if I like her her because the main character was very unlikable Mm. I was like how can you be giving like who's this guy yeah but there was actually some uh like some Q&A with her at the back of the book and she was explaining like the inspiration for him and um that she's just interested in like so basically I don't like him because the whole problem of the book is stems from him not communicating Mm. with his family ever like it's so it's frustrating reading it because you're like just say what you're thinking yes. that's all you have to do like why are you making this such a big problem so like do you think this is how we communicate no she understands <laughs> she was interested in how that plays out in an intimate relationship so mm-hmm. I just super kudo points I feel like she's smart and pretty cool at figuring like diving into what that would look like and show, showing it to us um yeah so I don't know that's really on cool. her side yeah yeah <laughs> that's really cool I didn't realize it took place in Sacramento that's interesting I'll have to take a look at it because you know when I was like reading some of the stuff about her it's like it, she very clearly grew like you have the right circles if you are going to the school where Toni Morrison can be your mentor essentially um and like you can borrow money from a friend I mean and they like you know whatever that a I don't... college friend had a thousand dollars to give her mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. nobody yeah. I knew in college had that kind of money and that would have been even more in our time frame yeah like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah seriously I was like all right girl like get it I guess but you know she she it felt like she understood what she was given in life pre Bezos right like it felt like she understood what she was given in life and wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do anything to like what's the phrase something about the gift house a gift horse in the mouth look look a gift horse in the mouth thank you yeah (laughs) like it's horses like she strikes me as the type who is like oh I get it like not everyone gets the kind of life I was born into so I'm I'm not gonna take advantage of that I'm not gonna live like 
I don't know how some of these other billionaires have lived in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking at that New York Times article that you referenced about mm-hmm. her, and it seems like her dad did lose money a little bit. Like that, she kind of experienced both, mm-hmm. and kind of going marrying Jeff Bezos, like who had this kooky idea yeah. mm-hmm. to do an online. But like, there was a, a little bit of like this could go either way. And just being okay with that. Yeah. But I imagine too, though, just from the privilege that I have, like knowing, you know, the the steps you can take forward, knowing what's behind you to catch you if you fall. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And that's actually a really good segue into, um, so like, I hate that we're going to talk about this next part because it's not, def- it is defining of who she is, but it's not the only defining factor of who she is. But the way that the internet responded was just like, <clears throat> so we all know <laughs> Mackenzie Scott received $35 billion from her divorce settlement from, we'll just call him who, sh- who shall not be named anymore. <laughs> um <laughs> The first internet outcries I heard were of outrage. Like, how dare she get this much money? She doesn't deserve it. And just, like, this whole thing about, like, well, what did she do? You know, that Mm -hmm. spooky kind of attitude. And so, you know, she spent 25 years married to this man who had this kooky idea that paid off. And, you know, it had such a severe global impact. It literally changed our expectations when it comes to shopping and shopping online. And so, like, to see that sort of play out with this attitude that it was like, what? She did nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm curious, did you know anything about her before 2019? No, and I'm gonna admit, like, I was probably right there with him. Like, I don't care enough to have been outraged, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that that would have been my first thoughts of, like, who's this bitch? What'd she do? Like, lucky her, she gets half of that. Like, you know, because, and, and, you know, boo on me for that being my first thought, but that is the messaging. That is what we see. Um, I'm picturing the, the lady in fur with too much time on her hands and you know did you deserve it and too much money then you know what to do with and that's like the first thing I think we think of Mm -hmm. when somebody just gets hella money or has so much money yeah yeah it's so interesting because so like as a single person you know watching like my child's father is a very talented musician and had he pursued that more seriously I would have been in the position of, okay, well, I'll hold down the floor. I'll have the job so we could have, because he's so good. I still to this day believe that he is talented enough to have a very substantial career. Like that has never, and if anything, he's just gotten better with age. So it's stupid that he's not doing something with that. But, you know, capitalism dictates that we have to have a job with health insurance and all these things. So like when that happened, I was like, I could totally see how it like I don't without knowing their story, I could see how she if in the early stages of of Amazon, because how many people thought this man was crazy? Yeah. (laughs) She's the one with the real quote real job. So that way they could have that steady income while he's trying to like make his dream come true. 
And like, I, I equated it to the life of like being married to a musician or an artist because they're not unsimilar in that way. You know, you don't know if it's going to pay off and you don't know what's going to happen and you could lose everything like business yeah. and art. There's really, that's really the only true. They're very, very similar is what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, so when people were like, she doesn't deserve a time, I was like, hold up. Hey, don't they have children that she yeah. raised? Yeah. What like, do you think she's been doing? And that's to the point, like, I didn't know yeah. enough about them. I didn't realize even how long they've been together, that they were a family. Like, yeah. My first thought is I heard there's a billionaire who's getting divorced from his wife because of course he is and yeah. she gets half his shit like that's all I knew because yeah. <laughs> that's the way it's presented too like uh, and even you know journalists at heart but like even sometimes the media outlets like the headlines you know journalists have no control over that's you know an editorial decision but like still it's kind of like oh you got to do what you got to do so that way someone will click on the article to read it but it just sort of contributes and perpetuates that mentality they want that outrage they Mm -hmm. want something Mm -hmm. if it was just like a well yeah of course after 25 years as many people do they got divorced and like what's boring (laughs) this needs to be a story (laughs) yeah yeah and then I don't know if you followed it after but I sure as shit did because then it was like well who here's Jeff Bezos and his new girlfriend who looks the same (laughs) age as his children you know kind of tone to it too and you're just like oh this is salacious (laughs) yeah I'm a sucker for celebrity gossip and I'm really contributing to the problem <laughs> by being one. <laughs> it's just so fascinating. They're just like us, celebrities. Have you seen this? Do you do Apple TV? Mm-mm. Oh man. There's a show on there called Loot starring Maya Rudolph and it's sort of the same premise. This yeah. woman, you know, supported her husband in the early years to make his ideas big. They're billionaires by the time they're in their late forties. Um, and she catches him cheating. And so by default of the divorce, she becomes, you know, one of the wealthiest women in the world. And then uh, it ripped from the headlines. Mm-hmm. And then it <laughs> yeah. follows her. So then she decides, Oh, like she, Oh, she's reminded she has, their family has a nonprofit. So then she decides to get more involved with the nonprofit and it's just her fumbling through, like mm. having been the 1% for pretty much, you know, the last 20 years coming back down to earth and reality. It's actually really good. So, so little... wait, are they po- painting her as one of those didn't do anything except pamper herself and be rich people? In the beginning, but as the episodes unfold, you really start to learn how much support and what she really did do. And it's not necessarily, cool. I'm not saying it's exactly about Mackenzie Scott, but <laughs> the wife, Maya Rudolph, um, her character, you really start to learn with every episode, like exactly how much she really did do to support her husband. So he could make these things happen, but it unfolds mm-hmm. over time, which is really interesting. I'm really glad they chose to do it that way too, because you walk into it like, oh this bitch getting all like that sucks you got cheated on like oh I'm so sorry but then you just threw a fit and drove off in one of your rainbow colored Lamborghinis (laughs) (laughs) you know what that you were just reminding me of this trailer that we saw at the movies yesterday because I went to the movies for the first time in like five years um with Regina Hall and Sterling K Brown and it looks kind of the thing. He's like, have you heard of this movie? He's like a the- billionaire megachurch guy yeah, in disgrace. Yeah. 
yeah. can't remember now what it's called but I think we're gonna see kind of the same thing from her <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's so interesting how much um being the wife of somebody who sort of makes it big is discredited like you're yeah. just the little lady who's there to whatever and you know that just it's so frustrating because what kind of message are we sending to future generations with that like what are people taking away from that mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to answer that it's a rhetorical yeah. question <laughs> I know I'm thinking about it, but I'm thinking about that just in general too because like we don't see we don't see a lot of women making themselves big the right way and doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and so yeah we're gonna have to keep talking about this or seeing it or trying to see it a different way again and again yeah 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 did you have anybody in like real life that you knew that you like they it turns out they were wealthy but you like didn't understand that they had money that's not that wasn't a prep question I'm just curious no it's okay I'm trying to think like I had friends who I knew had more money than us mm-hmm. but like I don't know they still fall into that like middle tier not that sure. like you who's this bitch rich to me <laughs> Um, my parents owned a restaurant and I grew up working there like since I was 11. And so we did know a lot of people there and like from different walks of life, you know, and mm-hmm. there were definitely some people who I learned over time had money, but they like, didn't present themselves as that. Like sure. the guy would still wear flubby clothes and stuff like that. And they still, I mean, we weren't like a posh restaurant. They're coming to the <laughs> greasy spoon diner. Yeah. So maybe that. Yeah, but I, just, I mean, not that I like studied and knew how they got their money and what they did with it, or yeah, like yeah. Because I'm always curious too, like when I think about like what the presentation in real life, what that looks like. Because we talked earlier about like you know on TV with like the fur coat and the things that you know were status symbols, but what does that even really look like in real life? Like we had people who drove BMWs and um. Because the church we went to, whatever, like everyone <laughs> wanted to have money. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think those people have any money. Like when you start poor. as yeah. an adult looking at that, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you see how much people are spending looking rich, and then you're like, but I know what you do. Like you don't make, you're in, you know, $100,000 of debt for that then really I'm richer because mm-hmm. I'm only in a little bit of debt. <laughs> yeah, truly though. Cause I, I was talking when Carly came on, um, I forget which episode it was that she was on where we talked about this. I didn't understand as a kid, the concept that, uh, that you could be car poor or house poor. Like mm-hmm. I saw my dad's friends driving BMWs and Mercedes and just being like, Oh my gosh, that car so fancy. <laughs> and now it's mm-hmm. like, you know, as an adult, you're just like, oh yeah, if you hit the sale at the right time, you can finance that for the <laughs> low, low price of more than hundreds of dollars a month than you should. Yeah. <laughs> Same with being house poor too. Like the way that um how you should buy a house is perpetuated, like on HGTV when they're just like, Well, this house is just a smidge out of your budget. Yeah, like, just go for it. Yeah, like a budget is <laughs> oh a suggestion. Gosh. It's a for me, yeah. it's a hard number. 
The first time when we started shopping for a house, the first lenders that we went to approved us for twice as much as we could afford. And like, thank God we did not go out and spend it because we would have gone bankrupt like immediately. I couldn't believe that they would do that based on our income. Like we still at this point cannot afford what they actually approved us for. But it was just like, that's just, that's what you do. This is what a house costs. So let me try and get you that money. Like, no. Oh my gosh. That's very irresponsible on their end. Well, why? What's not, nothing's going to happen to them. Like they're going to get the commission. We're going to get, you know, homeless. The bank's going to lose some money, but they'll be fine. So mm. I don't like that. That makes me very uncomfortable. I also don't like making commitments to very big things because it's like, <laughs> oh man, I'm in it forever. <laughs> like I can't. It makes my stomach turn a little bit. <laughs> it's probably why I have an aversion to marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to sign a what and how hard is it to remove myself from you if I decide to change my mind in 10 years <laughs> if you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman a woman identifying a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture. It makes me jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club 
that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. In that same New York Times article, they added this quote, while Miss Scott may be seeking to stay in the background, her funds are reshaping the nonprofit's profit sector in the United States and beyond. She has become arguably the most consequential philanthropist in the world right now, one who is very much operating in her own terms, end quote. And I do want to add, like, in Loot, it, there's an episode that opens up with people getting phone calls about receiving these surprise grants of like <laughs> lots and lots yeah. and lots of money. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's the impact is huge. And then something awful happens later in the episode where you're just like, well, shit, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I'm it's gonna not have to get Apple TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm just curious, like what lessons do you think we can learn from Scott's film philanthropic endeavors and the reason why i feel like you're a good person to have this conversation with is because you're always looking at ways to do things a little bit more ethically yeah um and that's what i pulled from this that's why i was so interested in her as a topic too or well once i started researching her because i really had no idea like when we decided to do this episode i was like oh that rich bitch yeah let's talk yeah. about it <laughs> so it's been really cool learning what she did um but yeah, so I see a few different things. Um, and the first being the closest to my heart is like, do what you want. So I've actually read her. She's written some medium articles, like essays okay. on medium.com about this process. Kind of like just seems a little bit just accountability and just like, a, I don't want to talk to you about it. Let me just tell you it from my own words and then leave me alone. Sure. Um, so from what I gathered from that, like the way she's doing it, it's very much what you want she's not following traditional like philanthropy methods she even talks about like what does philanthropy mean and if you look at the root word like it really just means love for the community love Mm -hmm. for the other people so you're a philanthropist with you know holding the door open for somebody you're a philanthropist by giving your hand-me-downs to the neighbor or whatever like we're all kind of broadening that term for everybody um encouraging us to do that more um but just this like that she does this kind of stealthily, mm-hmm. that's on her own terms, that she's doing it huge amounts of money, that's on her own terms, that she decided to like give away all her money, that's on her own terms. Um, a huge part of what she's doing is, um, I guess I should have started with these other two. So first, consent, <laughs> like she is giving money to these organizations, but then letting them come forward first to describe what they're doing with it or, you know, how much it was or anything like that. Like she gives the names of them, but that's it. And she's like, they'll tell you the way they want to mm-hmm. what they're doing with these funds. So, cause um, that goes to the other point that I want to bring up is trust, trust. Like she's trusting these people. She, you know, she has her company doing the digging to figure out that they deserve it or whatever, that they are the boots on the ground that know what to do to solve these issues, but she's trusting them to tell us the right way, to use it the right way, to make change the right way. Like she's not saying I've got a billion dollars here and I want to fix world hunger. Here's how you need to spend my money to do that. She's like, Hey, people that have been working to solve world hunger, how do you want to do that? Here's the money, go do it. So she's giving them all this trust. 
And actually um, there's been, I don't know where the research came from because it came through her articles and maybe it's from her own organization, but like the trust that she gave along with the funds to these orgs was as much the gift because it, she's receiving word back from them that like that empowerment is making just as much difference as like the $5 million. Um, So I love that just like in what we do with our families or in, you know, I'm a business consultant coach, trusting the people that are doing the work Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. or your, your employees, giving that autonomy and that um, empowerment to do what they need to do. The consent um, we can do with our children or again in business, like asking, can I tag you? Can I share this message? Um, and then also the idea that like, you can't do it alone. She's not the one trying to help all these people. And I love too, that she's going for, like you said, historically, um, under help, underserved communities. Um, she's letting the people there do it. She's got a team finding them. She's not trying to do any of this alone. She's just trying to be like the conduit of like, here, let me give you what I can. Then you go do what you can. And mm-hmm. I love that, that we all do like what's in our area. Yeah. I love what you said about the autonomy part, because, you know, there's so much in our current culture where whether you experience it as an employee or just whatever it is that you do, where there's this sort of like, you hired me or you sought me out because I'm good at what I do. I know what I do, but then yet you're now telling me how to do it, which is the antithesis, Mm -hmm. right? Like I thought the point of bringing me on was to be able to, cause you saw you're the person for this. Now I'm going to give you the avenue to do it, which doesn't really seem to exist a lot. And even though we're trying to help that become more true, it's still very much an uphill battle for people who are skilled and talented. Micromanagers come to mind. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, I've had to learn that myself too. When someone um, calls into question something that I'm doing, I have to remind myself that's actually not about me. It's about them. That's their yeah. anxi- that's their anxiety talking because I'm doing this for 15 years, 20 years. I don't. Sure, I spell things wrong. Absolutely, I do. I also don't have a neurotypical <laughs> brain, so that's where that comes from. But when it comes to certain elements and having worked in the nonprofit sector, so much of grants is this is how you have to do it. Even though we've been the ones boots on the ground, as you say. And that's really hard too. That's a huge shift that is definitely needing to happen. It's definitely not the norm, but I think like that's part of my life's work is to like, I believe that we all can do what we can do the very best. Mm -hmm. And so we need to stop trying to do what, everyone else is doing and to focus on ourselves and in that same sense like allow the other people that know what they're doing Mm -hmm. to do that shit so I'm gonna stay in my zone of genius I'm gonna hire the people to do the things that I'm not the best at when I have employees I'm gonna say you do what you're the best at um I'm gonna encourage my clients to do what they're the best at 
And, and yeah, when you're, especially as a manager, just like let people do the work you hire them to do and yeah. realize that they're having done it is what teaches that like, that's how you know what to do, what's the right thing to do. So I love, love, love that she is just giving the money to yeah. the people instead of trying to direct mm-hmm. the solution. I think that's huge. I think what I'll do now, not now this very moment, but I'm curious to see like <laughs> what the results are from that too. Because again, like I said, when I've worked in nonprofit, it's like, here's how you have to spend the money. And then, you know, we don't always get it gets it, it kind of gets in the way of doing the work that you need to do because it's mm-hmm. not everything, not every community is exactly the same. When I worked in adult education, we had people who came to us who were like, I want to go to college. Cool. Tell me more. Well, I dropped out of high school. Okay, let's talk about your high school career. So, like every student we had had different learning needs, whether it was, you know, they had a learning disability, a learning difference. I can't even tell you how many people came to me who could not read beyond a third grade reading level and they were full-blown adults, but we were told how we had to teach them. And if that system worked for them in school, they may not have ended up being a high school dropout. So like having that flexibility to teach them in the ways that they needed to learn was a constant fight, constant fight. Yeah. And that's the switch that we need. That's what you you just totally laid it out. Like we need that flexibility. We need that switch from like what I've always seen in business is here's how you do it. And what we need to switch to is here's the results I want to get. How can we get there? And how you get there can be different per person. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. But when you focus on the results, you can actually get there yeah. the right way for that person. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is like a death sentence when someone tells me, well, this is how you have to spend your day. <laughs> Girl, I don't have, I have attention issues and I'm an artist. Good luck with forcing me to do that. I'd yeah. like to see you yeah. try. <laughs> you can't tell, I don't want them telling you what hours you should be working, like morning versus night this many hours in a row, like all of that should be flexible Mm -hmm. so that you can get your best workout. Like, because again, focusing on the results doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you need to dick around for three days and then ba-bam, put everything out in 20 minutes. If that's your process and that's what gets you the results, that's the way to do it for you. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people who are threatened by that too, because I don't think we fully understand how to utilize everyone in the strengths that they have. Yeah. And it's scary, but so I was kind of having a similar conversation to this with my mom the other day where I was trying to tell her like, everyone should just get to do what they want in the world. And she was like, well, we need doctors. And I said, there are people that want to be doctors people that are meant to be doctors that maybe don't get to be doctors right now because it's so cost and time prohibitive. And if there was just literally a new system in the world where if you're a doctor in your soul, you get to go be a doctor. I feel like that would work out. Yeah. Um, and the artist can go be an artist, but oh my gosh, that feels so complicated, right? Like how are we going to figure out who gets to be and how do they figure out? Well, yeah, it's complicated. And I don't have the answers to that, but the situation that we're in is super complicated as well. And it's not working. Mm -hmm. So couldn't we at least 
try that. And to Mackenzie Scott's idea, I don't need to have the answers, but maybe there's someone out there that has been thinking about this and has something to try and has been boots on the ground, figuring out how to let people be themselves and do and see how that works for the community overall. And we could all still live and eat and be housed. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Socialist or something. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that everyone should have what they need to survive. It's not a weird concept. We should all Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting (laughs) that you like what um, sparked me the, or made my brain fire off the most was, this idea there are people who sort of pretend to be in that realm of like I'm gonna let you do because I hired you because you're talent but then they still get in the way <laughs> yeah well I wonder how much of that is like who's above them yeah that. yeah because the I tried real hard when I was a manager in the real real world yeah. <laughs> before I worked for myself um like I would try and do that too like hey team you guys are the ones doing it you tell me how does it go but then I'm still hearing from above and above and above and above yeah no they need to be here they need to be doing that this is a little yeah so so dumb it's hard I don't know the answer to like get out of this system I just see that it's wrong yeah the right one looks like (laughs) yeah for reals though like a friend of mine who works in the medical field a few years ago when Canada started doing these sort of safe houses for folks who have historically um abused illicit drugs and so they were like we have this huge problem the problem is is our er's are overrun with drug overdoses because people are getting brought in we have like this huge there's other parts of that problem too so then they make these safe houses where there's like a medical a medically trained professional there so that way when you overdose like there's somebody there and like that's just the place to go I should do some more. I should pull up the, I should research that so I can like do fact checking for sure. But my friend brought it up and, and she posed it to, you know, Facebook land as one does 10 years ago. (laughs) People were like, that's, you're just encouraging drug behavior and all this stuff. But the numbers were there. I saw a new segment about that two days ago. Yeah. Like literally people are, it's a crack den and you're just giving them drugs. Like because it's a harm reduction center. Uh-huh. But the numbers yeah. were there. Their 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 emergency room costs were going down like this 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 huge problem had reduced so much. And so, you know, mm-hmm. like what's the let's try this concept here and there were so so many people were against it and it was just like that's so interesting because you're also very mad about the homelessness in our neighborhood that you decide that you want to rail about you're also very mad that your children can't play on the playground because there's people quote shooting up like all the things that you're mad about if we just gave a safe spot for these you don't want to go to the er you'd rather go to urgent care because it's overrun by druggies like these are all the things people are saying and i'm just like we have a solution that's been tried proven to work can we try it here (laughs) yeah that's another example of the how I want things done versus the results do you want people to not do drugs in all the places that you're complaining about or do you want them to like get help they want they just want to say don't shoot up ever like there should be no more drug use well that's not a thing do you want people to get help because if we're looking at the results and here's a solution that actually works for that let's go that way yeah um, and you brought up an interesting point one of one of the things that Mackenzie 
talks about in one of her medium articles is like not having yes the the people with the boots on the ground but like and all facets of the problem anybody mm -hmm. that is affected so so she would want those people that are upset about the parks and everything part of the conversation along with the actual drug users, along with the healthcare professionals, along with the people that have the solution, like all of it. So I think that was really cool too, like um, bringing in all information to try and see what the real solution is. I love that. I love that because then you're attacking, quote, attacking the problem from all angles, because that's the mm -hmm. other problem with the, here's how I'm telling you how to spend your money scenario, because you're not actually listening to what we're saying when we say these are our needs, you're yeah. dictating what our needs are once again. Gosh, yeah. like, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, when you, when you ask all parties, then you get a clearer picture of what the results are that you're mm -hmm. aiming for. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I just love her for doing that because again, you know, it shows that she's dedicated to the idea of feeling, being a Phil, philanthrop phil philanthropy <laughs> words are hard apparently um and so much of philanthropy has been you know just rich people look at how great i am because i gave this organization money yeah mm -hmm. well i wear my fur coat to the opera <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to be the solution i'll just pay for it to be mm -hmm. solved Sometimes though, mm -hmm. when I'm really tired of people, I'll be like, how much money do you want to make? So that way you can get what you need done and you can leave me well, alone because I'm tired. Money, yeah. Sometimes money is the answer. When we go back to my thought of like, we all have something that we are the best at. Like some people are the worker. Some people are the donator. Some people are the riler up. Some mm -hmm. people are the gathering all the information and highlighting the problem. Like we all have a role and sometimes, yeah, we just need to throw some money at it. So please give some money to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. 
be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture. Makes me jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. How do you think or how does or how has Mackenzie Scott informed your opinions, subtle or otherwise, about wealthy and powerful women? Um, researching her has brought to, at least has made me realize that I had that idea even of like, there's a certain level of rich where like you don't deserve it. Um, and when I think more about that, I think it's more about I'm more worried about what you do with the money mm. and I'm seeing that like there's a limit to how much one person needs and so and not like what the money what good the money can do like we were just saying like sometimes we just need the money so throw the money if you've got the money give money yeah um, so like I I am realizing my opinion that um there is well, I guess I knew this already. Like there should be no billionaires. Yeah. That there, there's, a, there's only a certain amount of money that you need. And so I want to see women wealthy with power, with money um, to the extent that they can do good work with it. Yeah. And, and I'm also feeling like having studied her and like, she seems kind of like a fluke, right? Like, so I'm, this is still something that I want to think about and dive into, but I'm feeling like it is kind of a fluke that like someone with so much money would do something so good with it. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Is that because like good people don't go make that much money to begin with? Like mm -hmm. they let self limit, like I was saying, like they realize this is more than I need. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or can you only make that much money by doing not good things? Like, cause where did that money come from to the begin with, to begin with, like definitely exploitation and like yep. bad things. Yep. So I don't know that we can see another example of that or that we want to, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I'm leaning more towards like, I want, I want money. I want you to have money. I want us to have enough money to like, be safe ourselves to get to do the things that we are supposed to do mm -hmm. while, while money is still the way that you get to do that. Like maybe there's a world in which there is no money. I was in a really interesting conversation 
a few days ago where it was like, do we need money? What if we all just could do the thing we're supposed to do? But I want us, I want us to have money, but I want us to do it the good way. I want it to do it. I want us to do it where it feels good to us, where it's mm-hmm. not exploitative of others. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, I think do- it's kind of a fluke. I I agree too. And then when I was thinking about, well, who else do am I aware of that's a billionaire? You know, like obviously Elon Musk came to mind and, you know, not my favorite person and not a lot of people who have ethics favorite person. Um, Her ex-husband for crying out loud, like another one where you're just kind of like, mm-hmm. eh, you're a little unethical. Um, well now but he's given lots of billions of dollars away too mm -hmm, yeah he's still union busting though Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i've got opinions about that (laughs) and but then that gets so hard too like she's still got like four percent amazon stock or something like she's still making money off this terrible shit yeah but she's giving it away yeah like where do you it's almost like that's her redemption too right like i know that this money is coming from horribleness so like as a redemption let me give it to this fraction over here i don't know it's hard it's a hard conversation um because how many female billionaires are there even you know it's like who can we even compare her to oprah isn't oprah in the billions oh sure well some kardashians oh yeah well yeah okay (laughs) so she's not necessarily in the best of company all around (laughs) whoops please don't come at me kardashian fans uh (laughs) i too get sucked into the tv show but i also yeah i'm gonna watch it but i'm I'm mad at them yeah yeah i have we're allowed to like things and also be frustrated at the same time um yeah because it's interesting because she is sort of like an enigma in a way where she's sort of in a class by herself right now like you I don't think that there should be billionaires I think that is beyond excessive and I think because of how many billionaires currently exist that's why a lot of people feel like we're in the end stages of capitalism because we're not gonna like like where else are we going to go from that point right um mm-hmm. and so it's just it's interesting it's interesting i just find it also very interesting i still don't know how i feel about wealthy powerful women <laughs> that's what this season is for right mm-hmm. this Maybe is you have- figuring it out this is you doing the thing you're supposed to do which is figuring out like gathering all this information mm-hmm. communicating with the people figuring this shit out for us so we can figure out what we think about it. yeah yeah because I have a, <laughs> I have this joke that I missed my I missed my calling as a trophy wife because life is too hard and the hurdle there's too many hurdles for brown women and I'm over it um but then that's also a problem right because then I could have been in the situation like Mackenzie Scott or Maya Rudolph's character from loot where I've married somebody it's not the best situation and then I walk away you know, cause that for a long time, that was the only way women could get into wealth was, you know, by marrying the right person, whether it was for love or not. Mm-hmm. Lots to think about Tracy. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. That's that meme I sent you the other day. Like, did she sleep her way to the top or did the men withhold promotions until she gave it up? Like, 
that's a whole thing. Why did I even think what what even is the phrase trophy wife? Like, why is that something that we would say about another woman? And yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did I ever think I should aspire to be something like that? That was not, that's definitely not how I was raised. Um, so interesting. Maybe I should, uh, it's so oh, interesting. I'm even saying, why is that even a thing? Like, why is that something that we need to do or think we need to do? Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting that, you, so I know that questions rhetorical, but I actually have thought about it a lot. <laughs> um, and so a lot of it for me is like, back to what I said before, realizing just how many hurdles there are as a female in either corporate America, even working for the government, even working for nonprofit and nonprofit. My nonprofit experience is heavily female um, coworkers and bosses. So it's like, that like in my head it was like it would just be so much easier if I could just marry somebody who made enough money for us to be comfortable and then some because I am so tired like my legs should look so much mm -hmm. better for all the hoop jumping I've done mm -hmm. I've definitely had that thought too like why did I have to go fall in love yeah. <laughs> and with all this equal empowerment shit yeah <laughs> And I think for me, it wasn't even about love. It was just about like, this will make my life easier. I'm like, I'm not opposed to hard work. That is not what I'm saying. It was just, you know, being in the room. I mean, we all know have that story where we're in the room, we have an idea and somebody else takes credit for it. Like that is pretty much every woman. But I'm, you know, that's this constant getting into positions where you're the expert, you're the talent. You're The reason why we hired you is because we can know we can elevate you. I go to elevate and they're just like, no, actually we don't want like, nope, 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 nope. And it's just a whole bunch of nopes. And you're just like, you know what? <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> uh -huh. If I were a yeah, white guy, would you be doing this to me? I'm very curious. <laughs> That's not a question you can ask without somebody bristling and feeling like, oh my God. Don't, don't say the like, truth. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. call me racist. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said, if I was a <laughs> Anyway, I think we could spend hours having this conversation because I think there's a lot of deep reflection that need, that goes into situations like this, because I don't, we've never seen female billionaires until pretty much our generation. So yeah. to have just a simple hour long conversation, it's not, it's not enough but there's still yeah. so much more like you've given me so much to think about just in like terms of Mackenzie's life and her choices and what her company does. I'm going to go find those medium articles to read myself too. Yeah, because, definitely. Because it's just, it's, there's so, it's such a complex, it's, it's just complex. And so unpacking it and new ideas are always kind of hard to grapple with at first. So was there anything else about her that we missed that you want everyone to know? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I'm not her new biographer, but I just definitely, she seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm proud of what she's doing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today and I thank you for joining us. And I love when you stop by. This is, I think, your third Me appearance too. on the show, which is so mm -hmm. exciting. Can you please tell our friends at home where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? Oh yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Tracy.stanger. 
Um, I don't post there. I have some static posts that will tell you all about what I do, how I can help you. Um, but I am in the stories all the time. That's where I have my fun and in the DMs. Um, and then at Coffee House Table on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, it's just like open house, come to my Zoom room. If you're watching this video, it looks like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and it's just like literally like hanging out at your local coffee house, come in any time during the hour, leave if you have to, don't talk if you don't want to, be off camera if you want to, like introvert friendly, no pressure. We just chat. We have combos a lot like this and a lot like, did you read that? Did you watch that? What's going on in your life right now? Um, Jules comes pretty much every week. Like yeah. you, you, you can sell it for me, but that's where I want to meet you and get to know you. Yeah. I have note cards actually of all the things that get brought up in, <laughs> in coffee because I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to write that down. So that way when I'm like, I don't have anything to watch, I reference the note card and go and find <laughs> it. So it's definitely um, not just a great place for recommendations, but also just a great place to like meet some really cool people. Um, similarly minded. It's fun to make new friends, especially when you are an introvert. Surprisingly, friends at home, I'm an introvert. I don't like leaving the house. I hate talking on the phone. Please leave me alone. But if you get me on a Zoom call, <laughs> I will not stop talking. So it's one. Of, so it's like ideal because then it's like you get socialization and then you can lay down after because you're tired but it's also good tired <laughs> it's a cup filling place for um I don't I think you were there for the call where we decided like we're the ones that were too weird for the normals too normal for the weirdos yeah. like the coolest of the uncool yeah the uncoolest of the cool if that's you <laughs> if that's you show up and definitely yeah. ch check out Tracy's stuff um I just wrapped up doing the space you want with her and that was a really good opportunity to sort of like dust off some business ideas and get some of the cobwebs out of the way because sometimes those cobwebs get real thick and you think <laughs> Why can't I see? Um, so definitely check her out and what she's about. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington, and I am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas, cry, melt down whenever I feel overwhelmed. I also want to do a big shout out to our Patreon community. Thank you for your continued support. It brings me great joy to bring you quality content and monthly get-togethers. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.